Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Hello, this is Sean Martin. You're very welcome to a new episode here on ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. We are live from RSA, uh, looking at all the different topics that uh, that folks are talking about. And I, I've heard repeatedly that risk is top of mind for folks this year, uh, which is a good thing. Um, it's not just security and privacy, but actually taking a taking a step left and looking looking at the problems differently. And uh, I'm thrilled to have a good friend. From Ireland, joining us today here in San Francisco, Matthew. Thanks for joining us from Vigitrust. Uh, Thank you very much, John. It's good, good to see you. It's been a while. It has been a while, yeah. <laughs> and um, for our the audience that don't know uh, who you are, maybe a brief view into what you do and and uh, the, the founding of Vigitrust. Yeah, so my name is Matthew Gorge. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Vigitrust, which uh, he's headquartered in Dublin in Ireland. Um, I'm currently located in, in the US myself. Uh, we have offices in, in New Jersey, in New York, and also in Paris and France. Uh, I've been in cybersecurity for longer than I care to share, generally speaking, uh, well over 20 years. Um, and I'm, I'm really passionate about what's happening. In fact, I, I believe this is my uh, 20th time going to, to RSA. Um, and I, I, I would I would say that it's it's one of the busiest that, I, that I've seen uh, so far. Um, from a, a VigiTrust perspective, we, we are a provider of GRC software, so governance risk compliance. We have an award-winning tool called VG1 that allows you to prepare for, validate, and manage continuous compliance with about 100 security frameworks worldwide. The GRC space is really busy, as you can see on the expo floor. Uh, so our USBs are that we, we integrate a full uh, e-learning and security awareness platform within the GRC. Um, we also have the ability for folks to create their own security frameworks or upload their own security frameworks and essentially productize them within a few clicks. Um, so it's it's something that uh, is close to my heart because I always say that security is a journey and not a destination. Mm. And when you look at governance, risk, compliance, you were talking about risk there, um, we we tend to forget that uh, your risk surface changes all the time. So if you look at the risk surface changing, for instance, uh, during COVID, like in and around the 16th of March 2020, um, probably a billion new endpoints started to be used on a daily basis. Everybody worked from home. Yep. Um, and so it, we are see that risk surface was very few companies were, were prepared for that. Um, you, you buy a company that increases your risk. Mm -hmm. You sell a company that also increases your risk. So the risk is, is something that we talk about all the time. Um, and I, I, I think you're right. There's a lot more people focusing on risk this year at RSA, which is quite refreshing. Yep. Um, focusing on a business problem rather than just looking at the technology that can help with that problem. And so... I want to I want to get to the advisory board because you do something amazing uh, with a Thank global you. group of people. I've had the pleasure of, of joining you in Dublin for that, and uh, it's incredible. So we'll get to that in a moment. But 
just to GRC is quite broad, right? right? And you talk about continuous uh, compliance, continuous governance, risk and compliance. Tell us a little bit more about DigiTrust One and the offering you have, so that folks can kind of picture how what what it does and how it helps them. Yeah, so VG1 is a SaaS platform that allows you to access uh, about 250 different modules around uh, security training, corporate governance, and information governance on the training side. And then we have about 100 security standards, frameworks, and regulations available out of the box. So all the usual suspects, PCI, HIPAA, GDPR, uh, SOC, um, uh, NIST, uh, NIS and, and a good few others. Um, and so the, the, the tool allows you to prepare for, validate, and manage your, your continuous compliance and your framework. And it's a multi-dimensional tool. And I think we need to understand that there's a, a multi-dimension aspect to risk. So you can look at a risk based on a control, so a PCI control, a HIPAA control, whatever. You can look at it uh, from a guideline perspective or uh, from an article perspective, like mm. with GDPR. You can also look at um, risk based on an asset. You can also look at risk based on who's managing the risk, but also who is actually operationally increasing or decreasing the risk. And my advice um, would be to choose a platform that allows you to um, have a mix of all those different perspectives. So the IT people can go can can look at risk from the asset perspective. The compliance people will look at it from a control perspective. The legal people will look at it from the evidence perspective and and essentially document management. Um, and then the compliance manager or the CISOs will look at it from a global program perspective. And the global program is really um, it's great to know you in compliance with XYZ or you're in line with uh, regulation 123, but it's even more interesting to know where you're not compliant. Right. So what you want is a solution that really within a few clicks allows you to say, hey, tell me all of my subsidiaries in San Francisco um, that are PCI compliant, uh, need to do CCPA, are managed by Sean and need to be approved by Matthew by the end of the conference. Hmm. So that, that's really where you want to get to, right? You know that, that that's the holy grail. Yeah, and that um, I love that because you, you you painted a picture of a workflow, right? For achieving it for that moment in time, anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, and 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 it, 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 that's a very good point. What you want is you want to you want to choose a vendor that allows you to look at. Um, tasks that need to be repeated on, mm -hmm. on a regular basis. So updating your firewall rules, updating your documentation, training your users, doing a scan. So you want, you want a GRC tool that, um, uh, that allows you to govern. You know, it's called governance risk compliance for, for a reason. And so you need to take ownership and control so of, of your environment so that you can govern that security program and update it as required. Yeah. And Talk to me about this. You mentioned ownership. I think there's been uh, some examples where people have been responsible for programs failing, working a certain way or not working a certain way. Um, has the ownership of risk shift over, shifted over the years? And how does that impact where Vigitrust fits into an organization's broader operations? So we are definitely seeing a shift um, where the ultimate ownership of risk ends up with the board. 
Mm. Uh, and we see, for instance, now with what's happening in the US with the SEC and the requirement to have uh, one of the, the board members to be fully proficient in cyber, um, that it's getting into the board. The challenge we have with that as security people is that we tend to overload our board and other key decision makers that are not IT specialists or, or data privacy specialists with three-letter acronyms or um, you know other things like PCI, HIPAA, and like we get in and we say, oh, we've been hacked. It was a cross-site scripting attack, and we lost them at, at hack. Right. You know, and so what we need to learn is we need to learn to translate cyber risk into a business risk that that is with its in, with, with its impact on the company so uh, I I came up with what I call the five stages of cyber security grief and they are as follows uh, denial anger uh, bargaining depression and acceptance denial is where you go to the board and you say hey but you need to be you need to be responsible for cyber because uh, Regulation XYZ says that you, you need to, to do that, but also we need we need you to to work with us. The the general uh, answer is typically our job is to create employment, generate profits for shareholders, uh, pay tax, whatever it is. But it's it's not security or compliance. Right. Then comes the the uh, the anger. You again? <laughs> I've given you money for a CISO. I've given you money for firewalls. I've paid for your airfare and your hotel to go to RSA. Now go and talk to someone else and leave me alone. Mm. Then comes the bargaining stage. They see that their competitors are being hacked. They might see that their competitors are getting a visit from the regulator or the, or the inf enforcement body. Um, so they hire a big, reputable consulting firm that writes a lovely 64-page document that says that uh, even though they're not doing what they're supposed to do, they, they mean really well and they have a five-year strategy to be, to be secure, which uh, is better than nothing but really doesn't answer the problem. Um, then comes the depression. Oh, my God, we've been hacked. Mm. Uh, the regulator is in our lobby demanding to see the, the chairperson and the CISO. We're doomed. And then eventually comes the acceptance. And the acceptance is that we're dealing with risk day in, day out. Like the board deals with financial, HR, other regulatory risk on a daily basis. It's not that they don't want to look at risk. It's not that they can't. It's we're just not translating it the right way for them. And so what I think um, ends up happening is that they realize that they're doing 60 to 70% of what they're supposed to do. Um, maybe not in a way that they can, that can demonstrate compliance, but they just need to get that in order and then uh, fill in the gap. Yeah. And I, I want to use this opportunity because, I mean, there, as you pointed out, no lack of GRC options, right, to, to explore. Um, technology helps. It's not the answer. Um, we have frameworks, so you, you pull a lot of them together to help consolidate and, and bring a story together. Um, but you have to tell that story. You have to understand that story and communicate it right. in a way that the business can understand. And I experienced that in the, in the advisory board that you pull together. So tell us a little about what you do there. Because to me, that's, that's where the magic happens um, from my perspective. Having really intelligent people from all over the world looking at this problem from different perspectives, sharing their experience and their stories, that helps drive you to deliver better to your customers, right? Yes, absolutely. So I, I started the VGTrust Global Advisory Board about 12 years ago. Um, we now have 1,300 members from 30 countries. 
the members are the C-suite, so uh, CISO, Chief Risk Officer, Chief Compliance Officer, but also um, more regularly CEOs and CFOs. Um, we also have members from law enforcement, so FBI, Interpol, French Police, NYPD, Irish Police, uh, UK Police, and a few others, and as well as members from academia um, and uh, independent subject matter experts. And what we do is we get together either virtually or in person, um, and we talk about some key topics. And every year we have uh, different topics that we choose, and I've appointed a, a global leadership team uh, of 24 people that helps me drive the local agenda as well as the global agenda. We've, we've uh, arbitrarily divided the world into 11 chapters um, so that we could also look at what's happening locally. Um, and, and the topics that we cover uh, this year include geopolitical risk, mm. uh, so the impact of geopolitical risks like uh, a war or like uh, Brexit or like other stuff, supply chain management. Uh, we talk about um, critical infrastructure protection, protection of very old and very young people on the internet, collaboration with law enforcement. Um, we also talk about the evolution of technology and where the new technology is coming. We talk about how that that evolution is being financed. So we have VCs that come in, we have PE, PE firms, mm. and we have uh, private investors that tell us where they're investing and where they're putting their dollars. And we're trying to say to them, like, this, this is the problem. That's where you need to invest in startups that are going to resolve that problem. There's no point in having a me too again of, right. of something that, 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 that we already cover. Um, we also have a, a very a good initiative on diversity and inclusion in cyber. Uh, and uh, finally, we, we uh, are just launching uh, an initiative on uh, the links between cybersecurity and ESG, uh, which, is a, which is a new one. So uh, the advisory board started out as a very small community, um, and it's all free of charge. Yeah. An, uh, it is an independent body, um, which really is non-commercial. It's a think tank. And we were able to create this platform where people feel like they can, sh they can share ideas. Yeah. Um, and I always say that being in security or compliance is a very lonely job. If you do your job correctly, nobody knows your name. If something goes wrong, you're public enemy number one immediately. And that sticks with you. And so yeah. that's something that we want to avoid. Yeah. No, I love that uh, community. And I can attest to uh, the, the quality of, of the conversations. And... Um, or they want to say the the. I think what I what I take from and I, I obviously you've you've grown and given much more than than I saw you last, um, but the the ability to pull that information together to tell a story, right? Right. And the the value of that is incredible. And in fact, you actually wrote a story, <laughs> wrote a book. <laughs> I did, yeah. So I, I wrote a book called The Cyber Elephant in the Boardroom. And it's really a book that allows me to explain to security and compliance people how to translate cyber risk into business risk that the board will be able to, uh, to understand. It also covers um, a, uh, a framework that I created a few years ago that's won a few awards. It's called the Five Pillars of Security. And it's based on the idea that whether you look at PCI, HIPAA, SOX, whatever, it doesn't really matter. You, you always dial back to five common denominators. Physical security, people security, data security, infrastructure security, which is your wider infrastructure, your applications, your cloud, your remote work, workers, your hybrid workforce, and so on. Third parties, fourth parties, and then crisis management, what do you do when something goes wrong? 
And you can talk to the board and anybody in the board will understand those five pillars. Hmm. So uh, my, my view with that book was to explain how to use those five simple concepts in order to get the board's attention and to, to get them to sponsor the program. And what I mean by sponsoring the program is not just giving you money, it's being your ally in the boardroom, right? Uh, so, um, Talk to me about that. What, does, it, what does that look like? Uh, so it, it it looks like uh, so the, the the there's two versions actually of, okay. the, of the five pillars. There's one that covers that is for the board uh, with 25 questions per, per so five questions per pillar, and then there's one that is more operational that has 60 questions, so 12 per pillar. The questions are written in plain business English, um, and they the, for instance a question could be as a board member I am 100% confident that. Uh, we are following best practice and complying with any applicable regulations for physical security. And the answer will be, yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, I think so. No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. And then we have what we call the red flag questions. And the red flag questions are, I don't care, or uh, it doesn't apply to my business. Mm. You'd be surprised, or maybe not, <laughs> how many people say I don't care. And we can then use that model as a maturity framework um, for the board every six months or every three months so that they can, they can see their progress. Uh, and it's all really about creating that idea of uh, you are accountable for this. Yep. But it's not just a burden, it's an opportunity to regain control and to change security from the department of no to being a business enabler. Yep. And uh, let's maybe close with that because I always feel that security as an opportunity and especially if you're having conversations around business at this level right. um, to drive and generate revenue but then also protect it so how how do those conversations sound with your your customers where you're actually saying we can we can actually help you achieve the innovations and the progress and the transformation that you're that you're seeking so if you look at it from a board perspective what does the board do when they meet? They have a, an agenda and they have a number of set things that they need to cover, including financial statements. The key to a successful program is to put cybersecurity in the financial statements. There are different ways of doing that. There's different models. There's the FAIR Institute model, for instance, but there's many other modules, mm -hmm. uh, models. The idea is to say, okay, let's identify the IT assets and the IT process and the IT training that is really related to security and compliance. Let's turn that into an asset. Once it's an asset, it appears in an asset inventory. Once it's within the inventory, it will appear on a line on the financial statements. And therefore, every time the board meets, they'll have a cybersecurity line. They may have a, a line that says uh, assets that I depreciate over three years, four years, five years. They'll also have a line with costs um, but they'll be able to see the, the, the actual value of cybersecurity. And then if they have an incident, well, at least they, they, they might be able to demonstrate to a cyber insurance provider that they were doing the right thing. Right, right. Yeah, it's a big, big part of right, being able to, to make a claim. Yeah, and, and it's very difficult. Like for, four years ago, the, the, the application forms were like six to ten questions, and now it's like four or five pages and right. pint of blood and, <laughs> and your, your, your digital footprint uh, completely reviewed. Yeah. So it's becoming and very all of hard. It, all of it fake. 
because you don't well, know unless you unless you know you don't know unless you know you don't know right and uh, and also some of some of the insurers actually don't necessarily understand the questions mm. that that we're asking um even if the questions are good questions right so um but yeah i think you know you want to get the you want to get the, the the attention of the board uh, make it board friendly mm. make it less jargon uh less uh, not as many acronyms and link it to financial statements brilliant advice brilliant advice well matthew it's been it's been a pleasure chatting with great to see you I great mean, to see it's you been, too been too long hopefully next time i'll i'll get to uh go to the advisory board and and uh partake in in some of the great conversations and uh for everybody listening or include links to uh, to your profile so they can connect with you. A yeah, there's a, so there's a website called matthewgorge.com, M-A-T-H-I-E-U-G-O-R-G.com, or you can go to vigitrust, V-I-G-I-T-R-U-S-T.com. I'm also very easy to find on LinkedIn, um, and so um, always willing to talk to good people who want to have uh, constructive um, discussions, and I'm always looking for feedback on the methodology, the the, the software, and the book. Yeah, I love it. You're amazing, you. Matthew. Keep up the good work, and uh, congrats on the book. We'll include a link to that as well for everybody. Thank you so much, and we hope to see you in Dublin very soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening.